Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome once again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 48. Can you believe that we are so close to episode 50, my friends? We've also had this podcast now for almost a year, so about an episode a week on average. We've been we've had a few gaps in there. We've had a few extra episodes, but all in all, we're about on pace for about an episode a week looks like. But in any event, I am so excited. I want to tell you a quick story before I get into this episode. This week, I was out here in Encino in Los Angeles area, coming out of California Pizza Kitchen off Ventura Boulevard, and I come down this escalator. It's raining. The escalator's broken both up and down. I'm coming down, and lo and behold, coming up the escalator, guess who? Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, formerly drummer of Nirvana, an epic, legendary figure in music. Now, again, many of you know I'm a musician. I grew up playing the drums. I played the drums for years, listened to Dave Grohl and Nirvana and all this other music. And so I said, Dave, is that you, Dave Grohl? I got to say hi to you. And so I stepped back up a couple steps in the escalator, met him at the top. Uh, I said, I got to say hi to you. He said, you just did. And I was laughing and we started talking. I told him all the stuff I just told you. Huge fan. Always played the drums to him. Major inspiration. We talked a little bit about music and drumming and uh, whatever he was doing with his evening. I pried a little bit. What are you guys up to? And (laughs) in, in any event, great experience. Check out Instagram at Empower101 and you can see my picture with Dave Grohl. And by the way, Dave, come on the podcast, please. You and any and all members of Foo Fighters or other music friends and uh, folks that we want to talk to about these inspiring, great stories. I love talking to musicians. I love talking to authors. I love talking to everybody, really, because everyone, including you listening, has a great story. And uh, we're also looking at some other folks with uh, Grant Cardone, just several other people I want to get on the podcast. Ray Burton, father of the late Cliff Burton, former bassist, uh, late and great bassist of Metallica. So I digress a little, but I want to share that story with you. Very inspiring because the night before this happened, I was sitting, you know, contemplating, meditating a little bit, and I watched a few videos on YouTube and came across some things about Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. So I tuned in for a minute and then uh, kind of focused on some of those things. And then sure enough, within 24 hours, here he is standing in front of me. (laughs) I'm not saying you will have the same results. Uh, I don't know about law of attraction, all that tied into this, but in any event, that's what happened to me. And and moving on, this episode, by the way, is Jamie Lerner, co-author of the book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You. Excellent, excellent material. We talk here about endless opportunities and possibilities, the art of allowing. We talk a little bit about uh, stopping all the apologies that we do, especially, I don't know what it is in different cultures and different things. We, we all do this, all apologizing, but in America in particular, hey, I'm so sorry about so many things. It doesn't mean we don't apologize, but apologizing to ourselves and for all these little things, we have little quirks, mistakes along the way. Let's stop apologizing. So we talk about that. I'm not going to get into it in here in the intro. And changing our storyline, changing our trajectory, and how we do all those things. We get into a lot of things. And she has a very hopeful, loving outlook on humanity. And I love it. So enjoy that. I also want to remind you, as always, you are priceless. Let that sink in. You are priceless. Absolutely, unequivocally priceless. Nothing, nobody, nothing will ever change that in our existence. You are priceless. Like I've been saying lately, that's a permanent state. Nothing's going to change that. And along with that, you are never alone. You've got us here. You can contact through info at empowerhumans.com, Empower Humans website, or like I mentioned, at Empower101 uh, on Instagram and Twitter. So contact us, your friends, neighbors, therapists, whoever it might be. Uh, you are never alone, I promise, my friends. And if you feel like you're just barely holding on, please, please hold on tighter and longer. 
and reach out for help. Me or anyone else, we're here for you, okay? And if you're not in that position, go be that person for somebody else, please, okay? Be that light, light to help light their candle, help strengthen them. That's what this whole movement, this Empower Humans thing is all about. As always, our challenge is real fast. Study, keep studying if you have been. Start studying if you haven't been. Whatever that might mean for you, you know what it means. You know what you need to do. Listen to the universe. Listen to your body. Listen to the things that matter in your life and go study and learn and grow. Also, make great moments. Love a verb. Share these things. Share these experiences. Inspire and uplift and surprise. All these things that you can do in your world. Let's let it flourish. Love each other and let's make great moments and last you know, challenge as always. Let's keep doing this podcast together. I'm so excited to bring you this interview. You're going to really love it, my friends, I promise. And I, I hope I'm not building it up too much, but I've got a lot of confidence in this one and a lot of these other ones recently as well. But listen intently to what Jamie has to say to us here and go pick up this book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You, uh, of which she is the co-author. But without further ado, as usual, I say this, without further ado, here is our interview with Jamie Lerner. We are excited and privileged to have with us today Jamie Lerner, co-author of the book, The Ever-Loving Essence of You. Hi, Jamie. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm great as well. We were talking before we started here about uh, you're in Chicago, we're out west, and I'm actually in Los Angeles. I just came back down. I was in the Bay Area for a little while, so now it's a little even warmer, so I apologize if you're you're in Chicago, correct? Yes, that's right. I'm just outside of Chicago. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so I know the whole Midwest in the winter. Like I said, my mom worked, uh, my mom lived in Omaha and Nebraska and also grew up in Minnesota. So uh, we're covering uh, a few different regions of the country today. A lot of times we get people that are just in California. You know, we have a sixth of our nation's population in California. So a lot of people are already out here. So it's, it's nice. Great choice. Great choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just put, it pumps up the real estate prices, which is tough for everybody. <laughs> but uh, in any case, let's talk about this book. And I'm excited to talk to you about this because there's a lot of great concepts here and some great principles. I think that pretty much anybody can apply uh, in their lives to just better their lives. So again, the title is The Ever-Loving Essence of You. Talk about that title for a second, if you would. And we're going to get into some of your background and some other details of the book. But that title, where do, where do we come from with that title? Well, I think the ever-loving essence of you is really who we all came here to be. And I think it is our inner knowing, our inner being, our um, unconditionally loving connection with ourselves. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's what we are, love and light. And through the contrast of life, sometimes we forget where um, we came from and who we really are. So the ever-loving essence of you is really about recreating the greatest relationship, and that is the one that you have with yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's actually probably perhaps our most complicated relationship, wouldn't you say, <laughs> the relationship we have with ourselves? Well, I think that we make it complicated unnecessarily because yeah. sometimes I think that um, – we are led to believe that it is a big, complicated problem. And I do not believe it's a complicated problem. I believe that um, pretty much the things in this book are just all reminders of what we already know and have just forgotten. Yeah, yeah. it's That's true. And it's interesting when you learn something uh, or, you know, are reminded, as you point out, something we already know. 
it kind of harkens back to, I already knew this. Why wasn't I living this way to begin with? <laughs> because it's just like something about the universe tells you, you know what, this is this is a true concept, a true principle. Um, and, and let's get into more of the book, but let, tell me a little bit about your background and whatever you'd like to touch on. But um, I understand you actually grew up in the Midwest. Is that right? I did. I grew up in the Midwest, and I was born with a knowing, and I think we all are. And I... Um, Grew up in a family with a tremendous amount of encouragement to explore every curiosity and embark on in every incredible journey of self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And I threw myself into that mix of life with a sense of wild abandonment. I was a wild child. <laughs> mm. And I was bound and determined to explore it all. And I was ahead of my time and always chose the road less traveled. Um, I always heard my inner being, my inner voice. And that is always how I chose to navigate my life. And it made things complicated for other people. <laughs> my teachers, and, you know, a little bit my parents, but any authoritative figure. Um, and the uh, complications that I had growing up was trying to figure out how I could be so connected to myself and yet not have the connection with my own mother. So I spent half my life trying to figure that out. And in the meantime, I um, was always fascinated by the um, inter- people's interpersonal relationships. So I went into the field of psychology, and I got my uh, master's in social work, and I went on to have a thriving mm. psychotherapy practice, wow. all along feeling like mm, mm, intuitively this was not comfortable for me, continuing to ask people to look back when we were hoping that they wanted to move forward. So I gave all that up. I traveled, I studied, and now I do something called the integrative approach to well-being. So the, the reason I wrote this book mm-hmm. with my co-author was that I came to understand that the lack of emotional connection with my mother had to do with one thing and one thing only, and that was her lack of emotional connection with herself. Mm. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> that's that's really uh, that you get to Freudian levels with some of that kind of stuff too. It's uh, it's deep, but it's simple, really. When it gets down to it, isn't it? You start to realize people's people reflect or project outwardly what's going on within them, don't they? Yes, they do, and yeah. and we all do. But it's so interesting because it's impossible to connect with another if you're not connected with yourself first and foremost. Wow. And it's like getting on the airplane, you know, and they say, please put your oxygen mask on first and then assist others. And in some ways, that's just, that's such a basic concept and we forget. Hmm. And you talk about, in, you talk about interpersonal relationships. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, do you have any siblings that you had to handle growing up? <laughs> uh, there were five of us. Oh, wow. And, and and we were all such individuals. Our parents were amazing. They really allowed us to do whatever it is that we were wanting to do to, you know, maintain our connection with ourselves and also um, navigate the world. Wow. So we, we were all very different and yet grew up with um, the idea that through our differences, you know, we love each other. And this whole concept of allowing, you know, that when you are doing what is best for you, you tend not to 
care what others are doing for themselves. You actually extend that same courtesy to them. Right, right. So, and and so your parents allowing you to to pursue things, obviously within certain boundaries, <laughs> but uh, but generally allowing you to blossom on your own without a lot of restraint sounds like how did that yeah. in, how did that influence your upbringing and your you know your life choices coming into adulthood and so on I think it was really fantastic because what I learned is and what I really believe is that there are no consequences there are just outcomes and so an outcome is a moment and then you're on to the next moment and that was really a lovely way to grow up and a lovely way to enter into adulthood. And, you know, now I have my own children, I have grandchildren. And it was just, it was, it was just fantastic. However, throughout all of that, I still didn't have a connection with my mother. And so that was so confusing and confounding to me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, so <clears throat> we, we talked then about, you know, you get to this place where you're, you have your thriving, you said psychotherapy practice essentially, right? Yes. And what, what, if you don't mind me asking, what caused you to go down that path? And you may have kind of answered some of this, but in more depth, because it takes a certain kind of person to want to pursue that level of things, that, that, that arena, if you will. What, what made you want to go down that path? Well, I have always thought people were amazing. And um, I was always curious to know more about the interpersonal interactions that mm-hmm. people would have between each other. And um, when we were growing up, we had people from all over the world living in our house, coming to our house. We hosted international dinners. My parents were really did some interesting things. So I... Mm to see people from all different cultures, all different walks of life, and it, it just was forever fascinating to me to look at the interpersonal dynamics of relationships in general. Yeah, yeah, and, and it is, I mean, for me, I don't have a psychotherapy practice at the moment, but, uh, and that's one of the reasons I started this podcast, the Empower Humans podcast, because to me, people and our interpersonal relationships both on a grand scale and on a one-on-one basis, are just a fascinating uh, kind of peek into all involved, really, as to how we interact and why, and what's what's motivating that. And I think I think so many people are are, are searching whether they realize it or not, because for one reason or another, we're unhappy or just unsatisfied. All these words are kind of they go hand in hand with a little variance of of what level of joy maybe we have in our life. We talk about joy in our podcast sometimes about the Hebrew word for joy means an alignment or a return to something. And go ahead. Did you want to say something on that? No, I'm agreeing with you. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And the the question we ask ourselves is how do we find that joy? Because from podcast episode one here, we've been talking about that. We've been in the, you talk about the ever loving essence of you. It's kind of been the uh, ever going pursuit of joy, which I think uh, we can all agree, despite all of our various differences, you know, race, creed, religion, and, and whatever other things might quote unquote divide us, which lo- a lot of which are just kind of delusional, uh, we have a lot of things in common. The pursuit of joy in general being <laughs> being one of them, uh, and so that's that when I that's for me at least the the common thread and common ground of why we're doing this this podcast here. 
Um, did you have anything else you want to add? We can get into some more uh, topics from the book. No, whatever you'd like to talk about is fine. <laughs> Well, in the book itself, uh, you talk about uh, you talk about endless possibilities. It says we have to create and sustain an ongoing. We touched on this an ongoing, long term, connected relationship with ourselves. How does a person go about doing that? Okay. Well, first of all, we don't have to, but it is a lovely option. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I, so, and the other interesting thing is, I think we're all doing just fine. I don't think that any of us are um, broken. I don't think that we need healing. I think we're all doing fine. And then there's another level of living that we can choose. And it is about taking personal responsibility Mm -hmm. and creating moment by moment this connection that we have with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And connecting with ourselves, you know, I've heard people talking about uh, meditation and mindfulness and various ways. Do you have any ideas or techniques in that regard? Um, as far well, as I think it's different for everyone, and I don't think there is one technique. I think that everyone should figure out for themselves what connects you to you, what hooks you up to yourself with yourself, and you know, it happens just moment by moment is appreciation for me is an amazing way to stay connected. Mm-hmm. When I am able to look around and appreciate an interaction between a mother and a child or a husband and a wife or, you know, a, a, a beautiful mountain or a flower or anything, immediately I'm connected to myself. Mm. So something so small, you know, this is not a big thing. This is, these are just little moments. And it's interesting because through these little moments of connection, there's quite a bit of joy. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting you talk about appreciation. I, I think uh, about some of these uh, other books that are out there too. I, I think, and I've talked recently about uh, Stephen Covey with somebody about how, you know, the late, great Stephen Covey wrote The Seven Habits. and. Yeah. <laughs> And what he says in the foreword of his book, essentially, is that he went through a couple hundred years of, I guess, kind of self-help literature and found these common threads. And he boiled it all down to seven habits that were just common threads. And and I hear this thing about appreciation and gratitude constantly. What's so powerful about that? Other than we could choose to do that and it makes us feel better. Is there something, uh, any more insight maybe you have on that? or, Or how do we do that also? Well, appreciation for me is a way to immerse ourselves with all of our senses. You know, it, it's just, it feels so good to immerse yourself in the senses of, you know, the seeing, the tasting, the touching, the feeling, and to feel just, I don't know, it's, it is very joyful. Yeah. Is it something that is as simple as just making a choice? Just I'm going to choose to refocus on this this appreciation. You mentioned the mountains or whatever, these simple things. I if I think that, uh, and I ask clients all the time to distract themselves and to find something to appreciate. If you're stuck in a moment 
And, you know, stuff doesn't necessarily feel good. But distract yourself. You know, go to the grocery store. Look at, like, the fruits and vegetables and that water coming out and, you know, the thunder and go to the bakery and smell the bread and go to the flower. Go somewhere where you can tap in to a better feeling with your senses. Wow. And you're, you're instantly transformed. You feel better. And when you feel better, your perception of everything around you changes. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds I mean, we talk about this return to something. I mean, we talk, you know, whatever anyone's religious view are, but Jesus and others talked about uh, the the children and become like a child and things like that. And so the children, a lot of times, like I've got two boys myself, and uh, what, what I've learned is sometimes when they get, have their hard moments, let's say, <laughs> we you give them kind of a change of scenery. You talk about go get distracted, go to the grocery store, whatever it might be, right. a change of scenery. Um, is there something about that? I hear Tony Robbins talk a lot about uh, disrupting uh, a thought process uh, as, as a means to change. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it is. And I think it's a, it's a wonderful way to distract yourself from the moment. That's it. And these are good distractions. You know, I'm a big believer in procrastination. I love procrastination. I think procrastination <laughs> is our friend. Procrastination gives us an opportunity to, um, to kind of decide when and how we are going to um, take the task at hand. So if you're procrastinating about doing something, don't do it. Because when you do something in a moment of procrastination, there is no way that that, whatever that action is, is going to turn out well. So procrastination is an opportunity to take a breath, get in alignment with the task at hand, and then move forward to it or not. Yeah, that's a it's gotten such a bad rap, you know, <laughs> procrastination, when in fact, I think it's a wonderful moment. It's a gift. It's a gift. And if we allow it to be to say, you know what, in this moment, I'm not up to doing this. And so I'm going to do something else and come back to it when I'm ready. Mm. Wow. That is a bold statement. Procrastination is our friend. I, uh, yeah. I and, and you don't hear that very much, but you're coming from somebody with some... Uh, uh, some credentials as a psychotherapist. I'm going to take your word for it. Uh, but think, think about it. Anything that happens in resistance, yeah. anything that is not happening effortlessly or in the flow, it's probably not going to turn out very well. As opposed to waiting, do you feel good about whatever it is that you're going to do? And then move forward. So it's inspired action. How can we take inspired action? Now, now, when you talk about resistance, I appreciate you saying that. Um, what about things like on a physical level? Like, I think a lot of things are intertwined because there's a lot of, in my opinion and experience, there's a lot of kind of universal principles. Like exercise, for example, there's a level of resistance and even pain associated with different forms of that, you know, running, lifting weights, whatever it might be. Um, so how does that play in? Because obviously, you know, other professionals, medical professionals would mostly encourage you. We ought to exercise under most conditions as well, you know, within a balanced life, uh, but there's resistance. I mean, is there, is there some sort of qualifier there as far as what we mean by resistance? Yeah. 
Well, I think there's the difference between creating the resistance. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are people that love to weight lift. And so, yeah. you know, they are just, you know, feel so good after they like go to the gym and, you know, pump iron and their <laughs> serotonin's raised. That's different mm-hmm. than dragging yourself to a class where you are literally going to do something that, first of all, you know is not good for you. Push yourself into doing something that probably physically you're not ready to do. I mean, none of that can be good for us. Yeah. But, you know, this whole concept of alignment, it's, you know, how can we get to the place where our thoughts and feelings are one? Yeah. That's alignment. And when we're in alignment, everything flows. Yeah. Everything is easy. Everything feels good. Now, we are not living in a society where we are rewarded for that. So most people will get more attention if they talk about how hard their life is or how difficult their workout was or whatever all that is. Yeah. No, that's that's true. Uh, People get attention and some people thrive on getting attention. Maybe uh, you might even say negative attention to say, I just went through this or I just worked out and look at me or, or whatever it might be. But, uh, exactly. but yeah, and, and but at the same time, resistance and pain sometimes on a certain level is a healthy uh, doorway, in my experience, to growth as well. But you're talking about like, okay, I'm going to this class or I'm in this relationship and it's just something doesn't feel right and that... I think that's kind of the type of resistance you're referring to more than... Well, exactly. And I think that, you know, we all have intuitive knowing. We all have incredible intuition. And we are being directed every moment of the day if we would allow ourselves to tune into that direction, our inner direction, our inner knowing. Our inner guidance is tapping us on the shoulder all the time. And most of the time, we're not interested. So we like... We're like, not now, I'm busy, whatever that is. However, I have never heard anyone say, I should not have listened to myself. Mm. But I hear people all the time say, I should have listened to myself. (laughs) So how can we recreate that relationship with ourselves where we're more in tune with our inner knowing, our intuition, where we can trust ourselves? where we can guide ourselves because we are our own greatest resource. There's no one that knows better for you than you. Now that doesn't mean you know better for someone else because you don't. That's an issue. You know what's best for you. And you know, I have raised children and now I have grandchildren and Uh I really encourage people to trust themselves to the point where they can encourage their children in such a way that they can say to their children, what do you think? How do you feel about this? Hmm. Instead of always telling them how they feel or what they know or what they don't know. Yeah. You talk about trusting ourselves and then you, you people say, I regret not listening to myself versus I regret actually listening to myself. It seems like yeah, that. Yeah, no one said that. And that and that trust, yeah, then that trust factor of learning to trust ourselves seems like that's probably only obtained by actually doing it. It's found in the doings, like, oh, I have this intuition, now I'm going to act on it. And then 
some outcome that was desired that maybe have been what might have been unexpected happens and then you realize okay i need to do this more <laughs> i need to listen to myself more it's or the the other option is to, to have the intuitive knowing to hear yourself and then to say i know i should do this and i'm choosing not to i'm making a conscious choice to not listen to myself to not go with my gut because mm-hmm. that's very powerful too that's taking personal responsibility and then you don't feel like you're a victim to anything because you've made the conscious choice and then next time you can make the conscious choice again and maybe the next time you'll say i'm consciously choosing to really trust myself now that feels good as well yeah now in a circumstance like that where someone might say i feel like i should do this but i'm not going to for example there's no shoulds There's no shoulds. (laughs) There is no shoulds. There's coulds. Like, you could listen to yourself. And if you're choosing not to, that's okay. Awesome. (laughs) Well, how do we define our our knowing, our our intuition, if there's not a should attached? I'm not trying to challenge. I just want to – someone might be thinking that in our audience. What do you mean? (laughs) I don't think you should do anything you don't want to do. I think that you could do anything. And it's so interesting because we live these lives filled with resentment because we're constantly doing things with and for other people that we don't even want to be doing. Mm. And because we're so concerned about what other people are going to think about us, how they're going to feel about us. So we do what we think other people want us to do, and then we resent them. And it's it's just, in some ways, it's kind of... Um, unnecessary is it is it (laughs) yeah no i get i kind of get what you're saying i think too is it worth if we feel this intuition i want to use my words right so that i don't step on your toes with shoulds (laughs) and things like that is when we have this uh, this feeling that of of doing something uh, and and don't act upon it uh, is it worth also adding a layer to that of asking ourselves well, now, why didn't I do that? Uh, you know, was I too I fearful? I, you or... know what? I, I don't know if it matters. Mm. It doesn't even matter why you didn't or didn't do it. The most important thing is that you made a conscious choice. I think that's more important than why. Because as soon as you start asking yourself why, you get into an old belief system that might have nothing to do with your life right now. Well, at, this, at the same time, is there something about that that... that by maybe analyzing our belief system that maybe we might find some added joy in our lives that we might not have realized could exist. For example, I've, I've listened to, you may know Will Smith, the actor. Yeah, or, of course. He's so great. And, yeah. 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 And he, and also, uh, Steve Harvey, they, he has yeah, a book called great. jump and he talks about in your life, you're gonna have to jump. And Will Smith talks about being in Dubai and jumping skydiving. So we're talking about jumping right now as an yeah. analogy for some decisions perhaps, but they, Will Smith talks about, you know, the night before and he, you know, he's a funny guy. So he kind of makes some jokes about staying up all night, kind of scared about the skydiving and all these little mental games leading up to it. And then finally the moment comes and the jump happens and it's this liberated feeling where is there something to be said for jumping and maybe going against certain instincts of fear when that intuition 
uh, maybe should be stronger, that this this is a whole new world that could open up to you. Skydiving in and of itself isn't the thing. It's it's whatever specific moment or decision, I should talk to this person or go apply for this job, but I'm too scared, or maybe speak on stage, uh, but I'm too scared. Is there something to be said for for maybe pushing ourselves past it? But you're you're talking about you're talking about these are just outcomes and these are conscious decisions. So do you kind of get where I'm going with that at all? I do. And I'm not so, challenging you. <laughs> not at all. And I love a good challenge. <laughs> good. The way I like to think about it is how can we close the gap? Okay. From where we are and who we are, and so. We can't make this huge leap, but moment by moment, slowly, we can close the gap. I like to think about it vibrationally to the point where we are in complete alignment. Our thoughts and feelings are one. And then it doesn't matter what we do. There's nothing that can be harmful to us. Nothing at all. Because everything is all in perfect alignment. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, and it all, I guess, revolves around getting to know yourself more and more and trust yourself. Trust your Yes. Into- and I like the concept of loving curiosity. Become lovingly curious about yourself and stop looking at other people because <laughs> that is a distraction. Other people have nothing to do with you. You need to tune in or you can tune in to yourself. I mean, envision the freedom of not being dependent on what other people feel about you to feel good about yourself. Yeah. That is true self-love. Okay. And, and one thing about your work here is we talk about the word reframing or reframe. Yeah. In fact, you talk about your ability to reframe very difficult situations and, can you give me any kind of examples of what you know, keeping all names private if, if necessary, but uh, it, whether within your work or your book or any examples of that? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because it's not the situation, it's how we're feeling about the situation. Uh-huh. So it, it really doesn't matter where we are in a moment, but how do we feel about where we are? So if where we are is going to a job every day that we're not happy in, but we're going to be going to that job every day anyway, how can we reframe the experience of getting from here to there and feel good about what we're doing? Right, right. So it's not about changing the situation. It's about recreating how we're feeling about the situation. So can you get in your car and appreciate the hour commute that you have going to a job that you're not particularly crazy about? Uh But as you're doing that, can you listen to some music? Can you appreciate a book on tape? Can you appreciate the fact that you love being in your car if you do? What is it that you can do? to reframe these moments so that from your commute, from where you are and where you're going, you're feeling better. Yeah, that's a great point because I think about, you talked early on about appreciation. We talked about gratitude, which are kind of synonyms here. But uh, I think about you feel what you focus on. If you're focused on these are beautiful mountains or you're focusing on 
um, uh-oh, I'm hungry, or I just got a flat tire, or I had this problem at work today. All those, all those things all still coexist, the beautiful mountains and whatever happened <laughs> with that particular moment. Uh, so it's, you, you feel what you focus on. And so I've, I've heard people say you can't be grateful and angry at the same time or grateful and maybe sad. Maybe you can, but um, being grateful. And, and so doing something productive with this long commute, you know, being in Los Angeles area, there's lots of people out there getting long commutes <laughs> where you're driving 15 miles, but it takes two hours <laughs> and it's frustrating, but it, where you could listen to music, listen to a book, listen to a podcast, do something productive, enjoy yourself, be in your mind and get to know yourself in some exactly. way. I mean, with, practice all these things you're talking about. Go ahead. So there are a million opportunities to reframe any situation. And I really believe we are only as happy as our happiest thought. Okay. Like links in a chain, you know, like the weakest link. (laughs) And I encourage people to laugh. I mean, I laugh all the time with Mm -hmm. myself, at myself. And mostly I laugh. When I catch myself in a moment, in my mind, if I am disconnected. And how do I know that? Because I am looking at someone or something else with judgment. The minute I catch myself, I laugh. And I realize I'm disconnected to myself. Because when we are connected to ourselves, we don't judge anyone or anything. There's no judgment. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. People have been saying through the ages about laughter being the best medicine. And I know it doesn't cure all and people do die and certain diseases do happen. But what is it about laughter and being willing even to laugh at ourselves, maybe first and foremost, because there's some people, even some of the great comedians who can get out there and get an audience laughing, but their self-view is such a serious negative, uh, you know, in a negative place overall but what is it about laughter and being able to laugh at ourselves do you have any insight on that i I think it just instantly connects us to ourselves and to everybody else because laughter is a universal language Uh and when you laugh at something it's not that you're sidestepping the emotional content but i think the laughter really helps you look at the emotional content and put it in perspective you know, so I, I'm laughing all the time and really encouraging others to do so. It feels good to laugh. Yeah, and we take yeah. ourselves so seriously. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's like, are you kidding? <laughs> so, <laughs> no, you're right. People always sit back and say, oh, in five years, we're going to laugh about this. And by the way, we've all had some of those experiences where a day just fell apart and it was one thing after another, after another, after another. Of just all, And at the same time, it's kind of a, a hilarious uh, chain of events eventually that, wow, this is just sometimes the planets just align for a little bit of unexpected chaos or unexpectedly, we might say, negative outcomes or just not desired at the moment, but maybe could lead to positive outcomes if, we, if we're living right, perhaps. And is, that, is there something about that with this reframing also about turning a negative, quote-unquote negative, into a quote-unquote positive? <laughs> I, I think it's all about feeling good. And, you know, to me, feeling good is more important than anything else. So mm-hmm. if you get hooked on feeling good, you'll learn to reframe everything. So my kids will say like, oh, mom, you just brainwash yourself. And I think to myself, absolutely I do. And it feels really good. 
And because I'm able to brainwash myself and turn any situation <laughs> upside down and turn it into a positive, that really makes my day amazing. And my lens is, you know, uh, one where I am super focused on everything around me that feels good. Yeah, that's the, that's a beautiful statement right there. And I think that's very, very profound because you talk about you feel what you focus on. And so if you're focused on finding more reasons to feel good, it's, this is a whole law of attraction thing, which a lot of times is over, yeah. oversimplified. But at the same time, if you're getting yourself so used to feeling good, and we're not talking about feeling good in the sense of some empty, fleeting sensory stimulation of TV, drug, sex, things like that. We're talking about... A, a deeper, just a satisfied feeling good, aren't we? Uh, yes, but I think, I believe that there's nothing wrong with drugs and sex and TV and any of those things. For me, the idea that you feel good first and then you indulge in all of those things to accentuate your already good feeling place as okay. opposed to using those things to try to get to a place of feeling good because that never works. Right. So, Feel good and then have a drink. Feel good and then have sex. Feel good and have a great meal. Feel good and watch some TV. And use all of those wonderful, you know, options that we have in this free world to feel even better. Wow. You have some beautiful outlooks on life because we Americans get so uptight about so many things. A lot of times we punish ourselves and it's so odd, and we talked recently with somebody else about uh, how America is the wealthiest nation and we use the most resources as far as oil and so on, and yet we're so unhappy, we're so obese, we're so – all these other things that are unhealthy overall. And uh, I heard recently America's 35th as far as overall health, where other nations uh, like Spain – and, and by the way, Spain has had a lot of problems in the last decade with unemployment and other things, but they're very healthy people. Japan, well, Switzerland. But I think it's a lifestyle. You know, they, they have a, a whole different sensibility about life. Hmm. That includes things like pleasure. Yeah. Where our society has guilty pleasures. We feel guilty about pleasure. Yeah, just the fact that we is, say guilty pleasures. Go ahead. Yeah, which is just, I just... You know, I think it's not necessary. Mm. So I think that when you present yourself with the option and choose it, I think, you know, you could really switch anything up in your life. Yeah. So how can you live consciously? It's about consciously creating your life moment by moment by moment. Even if you're consciously creating an unconscious life, that's better. Yeah, I think about... And- yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I love what you're saying because I think about like I know I know some some people from the Latin culture, and a lot of times uh, a good friend from Argentina, they come to America, and you go to a restaurant here, and it's hi hi, everyone's nice on the surface, but we need you to get in and get out because we got to bring in more people, especially at, you know busy hours of dinner on Saturday night, and yet in a place like Argentina and some of these other nations we're talking about. Eating is almost almost a very sacred ritual, and yeah, people get they, together. Three hours, and yeah. A meal. <laughs> they they spend hours, and and any sort of uh, 
encouragement to get out and be done and here's the check kind of wink wink it's your t- it's your time to leave kind of stuff is like people get really offended <laughs> and here in america it says go 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 all the time and i've i've got caught up in that partially because we're immersed in that culture and yet there's some good in that because we brought so many great things to the world so it was hard work and innovation between the internet and tv and all the things that have come from america but, but let's learn to enjoy it you yeah. know, now that we have all of these things, I enjoy them. Not There's just more, not more, more. Much enjoyment. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times it is this more, more, more thing. And it's not just America. It's just maybe it's human nature uh, when you're in these sorts of situations. But uh, uh, talk a little bit about it. We'll wrap up here pretty soon. Um, I'm pretty sure you have things to do with your day as well. And we appreciate <laughs> your priceless time here with us. But Thank um, you for inviting me. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you have any examples of any, any stories? And if you don't, that's okay too. But as far as anything, whether in your own life, if you want to get vulnerable or any other places, as far as these particular concepts go of allowing and reframing and the endless opportunities of our day-to-day lives, do you have any examples you want to share? Well, I have to say that I live and breathe this work and I think that it would be wonderful, especially for people who are in this helping professions, if they would walk their talk. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that when we, instead of, um, because I'm not really impressed by anybody, but I'm inspired by so many people. I mean, people are freaking amazing. <laughs> they really, really are. And I think we just have like this endless potential to you know, blossom and evolve and expand. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I'm i always looking out into this world of just an amazement, you know, true amazement of people and, yeah. you know, what they do every day and the possibility of so much more just by tapping into some of these things like appreciation and joy, unconditional love, you know, to, to really move about your day with this idea of allowing and extend people the courtesy to be who they are and where they are. And just, I don't know, it's, it really is a whole other lifestyle. This mm-hmm. is like a lifestyle to live a vibrationally high life. And it's a choice. Yeah. Our friend Bob Proctor talks a lot about that vibration and frequency and attraction. And I don't know if you're familiar at all with this. Yes, yes. He has some wonderful, yeah, wonderful program. And when I sit and read or listen to this material, it's just, uh, it's mind boggling because I feel the power of the truth of it, which is becoming in our minds what we want. And the rest will follow to a large extent. I mean, and that yes. doesn't that doesn't no, mean that's we don't. True. That's yeah. true. It's true. It's really, really true. And and we don't. It's true. Yeah, it doesn't mean we don't face resistance and problems along the way. But, uh, but I mean, what's wrong? You know, it's so funny how I want people to stop apologizing okay. for having great success and feeling good and for things being easy in their lives. Stop apologizing. You don't need to have resistance and you don't need to have hardship. None of those things are necessary. And we find ourselves apologizing all the time to people when things are going well. 
And I just think that that is a belief that is just wherever you picked it up from, it's not necessary. Mm. Great point. Great point. We And I've done that myself. Maybe you have. We talk about it. But yes, people fall into this apology, even if it's just uh, stepping in front of somebody on accident or something at the mall or whatever. If people still go to malls <laughs> or wherever people are at that restaurant. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. Everything's always I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, and even in L.A., we're just to people all over the place because there's millions and millions of people here. But uh, it's always, I'm sorry, just for those things, but sorry to ourselves, sorry to everything. And there's there's a time and place for being sorry, I think, when yeah. you've genuinely hurt somebody and or yourself even. Uh, right. But uh, do you have any other insight on any of that as far as the apologizing? Because you talk about stop apologizing. Is there any more depth we want to get into on that? <laughs> well, I just think that, you know, for each and every one of us to step into our best selves and then step out into the world and become the living, breathing example of what's possible. I just think that could be an amazing contribution to mass consciousness. Yeah. And there's freedom to be found in these principles you're talking about. I mean, we talk about America being the land of the free and the home of the brave, and yet we have so many vices and all these other things that are so prevalent in our society here. Uh, But freeing ourselves within our minds and in our bodies uh, as well, uh, to, to allow. I think about this old song by Paul McCartney, Live and Let Die, but he talks about uh, live and let live in the early part of the song. And I think about that principle, just live and let live. And uh, I think that goes in line with your art of allowing that we talked about, to, to kind of have a point of view or judgment and not be judging or not, not having judgment of what people are and things. And there's, there's this whole freedom that just this burden is lifted off our minds and, and souls by doing that. Don't you think? <laughs> live and let I live. I do. I do. Uh, you know, I live and breathe the teachings of Abraham Hicks. I, mean, I don't know if you know that work, but she talks about, we are so free that we can choose bondage. And it's such an interesting, um, concept because it's true we are so free and we choose bondage all the time wow we are constantly choosing to not feel good or to put ourselves in a situation that that aren't feeling good and Mm. that's a choice yeah and and what's the name again so it's abraham hicks so it's the teachings of esther and abraham hicks Oh, Esther and Abraham Hicks. Okay, I'm yes. going to make note of that it's while we're a, talking. It's really amazing work. Everything's like based in joy and um, the art of allowing and really asking it is given and some incredible principles for just creating the life that you want. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because it's, e- it's easy to create a button as it is to create a castle. Hmm. What a beautiful concept. And I think, do you think in your practice and your life experience, do you think more people aren't living the life they want than are? I think that it's really nice when we can give people permission to think about what they want. Because you ask people all day long what they want, and Mm -hmm. they tell you all day long what they do not want. So when you focus on what you do not want, that's what you get more of what you do not want. So I ask people to focus on, what do you want? Yeah. Yeah. And when you start to think about what you want, 
it becomes so much easier to step into that space to begin to create it. Thoughts, feelings, and then your life is really very different. I, I remember this thing I heard a while back called the law of the purchase, and maybe it rings true for us capitalistic Americans uh, as far as what do I desire, what is its cost, and am I willing to pay the cost? Kind of these three questions to ask yourself and then take action one direction or another. Uh, but uh, we talk about the paying a price, though. There is a there is a price to get place. Whether you want to climb Mount Everest, the price of getting in shape and the gear and and getting there and the climb itself, uh, as an analogy or metaphor. But whatever it is, if you want to become an actor or an author or whatever, a sports person, uh, broadcast. There's all there's zillions of different examples, but everything has its price attached to it, doesn't it? As far as no, that's that's a belief. That's an old belief. That is a belief. So how is it? How, yeah, go ahead. So how about the desire is, you know, contrast is amazing because contrast is anything other than what you're wanting. And through contrast births amazing desire. And when you have desire, you are so inspired to create action. And it never feels like there's any price to pay. You're, you just like flow towards it. It like creates momentum. It's passion. It's, it's, no, I'm just, that's a belief. Okay. You don't, to pay any price, if you feel like you're having to pay a price for something, it's, it's not your thing. <laughs> don't, don't pursue it. Very profound. Get in alignment first. You're going the wrong way. It, it's it's a hell no. <laughs> well, and, and I think yeah, I think I think that's all part of this American thing. It's everything's about buying something, and therefore there's a price attached to buying something. So um, it's an interesting set of principles, and a lot of what you're saying sounds real in line with a lot of Eastern theology uh, and and philosophy, as far as Buddhism and things as well that I think could benefit a lot of us Americans quite a bit more. And this has been awakening for the last 20 or 30 years gradually with with more and more things in tune with that as far as meditation and things like that. that have, and mindfulness. And mindfulness, and, exactly. You know, yeah, scientists are studying happiness, this whole concept of happiness, like crazy. Yeah. So I, I just read that soon doctors will be writing prescriptions for people to go out in nature. And I think <laughs> I mean, that's just so fantastic. You know, if we could all just go out in nature and we're not feeling connected or we're not feeling good, I think that we would really um, feel better. Yeah. yeah, feel connected with this universe of which we are a very real part. And so we can yes. be in tune with that same grander scale of the universe instead of being and i've used this analogy before in the podcast like instruments and you watch an orchestra and everyone if you walk in at the beginning they're all tuning to middle c that's what that that sound you hear at the beginning of the orchestra everybody's tuning to middle c and so we can retune which is also one of stephen covey's habits sharpen the saw is what he calls yeah. it it's the seventh habit <laughs> and uh just retuning whether that's exercise whether that's going out in nature whether that's keeping the Everything, keeping the car yeah. tuned up, the oil changes, all these areas of life, we got to continue to keep things tuned up. So there's this whole process of living that I think in line with all the things you're saying can give us our best lives. Is there anything else you want to touch on or add before we wrap up here, uh, Jamie? Well, I just want to say that, you know, 
I just want to remind people that stuck is just a moment, and that's it. Okay. It's just a moment. All right. And then the next moment. So. This too shall pass, for better or worse, and and look for when we talk about reframing. Look for the light, the good part, and focus on that. We feel what we focus on. And don't be focusing on the things we don't want. Stop punishing ourselves. Stop apologizing. I think there's a lot of great takeaways from this conversation we've had. Uh, so I hope people will take those to heart. And again, the book is called The Ever-Loving Essence of You. And Jamie Lerner, L-E-R-N as a Nancy, E-R, Jamie Lerner. And uh, where can we find that book? Amazon? Uh, yes, it's, it's on Amazon. And I have a website. It's www.jamie-learner.com. And there's tons of great stuff on it, including this podcast will be on there as well. So okay. thank great. you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you for being with us. We can uh, pick up uh, where we left off and start again uh, sometime down the road, I hope. And uh, love the energy you're bringing to the world. You're certainly... Uh, prime to be making a difference in people's lives. And I hope people listen to this, uh, can take a lot of these things to heart. All of us, including myself, uh, can, can apply these principles and be conscious of them and break this, this mold of, of hurting ourselves and punishing ourselves and apologize, all these things we just touched on. So well, for our audience, again, thank you, Jamie, and the ever-loving essence of you. Go pick up that book. You'll get a ton of great things out of it. This is We just touched on the tip of the iceberg here. Uh, but until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit empowerhumans.com. We'll catch you next time.